Hello, and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. Today we're talking about playing games more than once. Is this a cult of the old versus cult of the new discussion? Hopefully not. Really, what we want to do is look at the pros and cons of playing the same game many times. Are there cons? Probably, sort of, maybe. But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, which are dwindling. A farewell to Thomas. Adam Harrison, and the SGC. And a huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. Um, we're losing so many friends. You, I, you, I almost... The banter you put as by Thomas, B-U-Y, <laughs> instead of B-Y-E. Well, I'm are we, are we purchasing Thomas? Check to buy... Well, I'm thinking of sending him a check to buy his friendship back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you understand seems... <laughs> how Patreon works, Chris. <laughs> Well, it only seems fair. I mean, he was paying us to be friends. Notes to self. Bye, Thomas. (laughs) (laughs) Thomas, we miss you. Hopefully you're still listening. You do not need to pay for our friendship. You are our friend for always and forever. As does all of our listeners without paying for our friendship. So speaking of paying for our friendship, I was going to save this for after the credits, but I feel like it fits better here. Um, I had a time lapse this week in that the week completely disappeared before I had a chance to finish our second episode of our actual play. And yeah. And then I went to work today and found out that I wasn't supposed to go back to work till next Monday. So that was, that was fun too. But anyway, time is fun. It gave me an extra week back. So I am super dedicated to finishing this podcast. Even if that means, Hey kitty, here are the raw files. Edit. i was paying a lot of attention so i hope we're talking about the podcast i said i'd edit yeah that one but i did get (laughs) brand new mics so uh we're we're recording again this weekend we're doing our next adventure this weekend we are and i got brand new white mics for everybody so the sound quality should be much better and it should be much easier to edit and and i'll be doing the editing so it'll just be better because well we'll see yeah. <laughs> now it's a contest. Now it is a contest. Um, if you don't know what we're talking about, we are talking about the actual play that we are recording. It is currently behind the Patreon stuff simply because um, it's taking us longer than we want to be able to edit it and put it together. But we are dedicated to this. We're just trying to roll it out as quickly as we can and come up with a system that allows us to not spend more time editing than we do playing because that becomes <laughs> not fun. And once it becomes work, you stop doing it. So we're still trying to work out all those kings. Um, okay. We did a poll on this topic and I gathered the data and I know you guys check the board game geek forums often. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh Oh, <laughs> <Again? laughs> oh <no>. mom, get <laughs> off the internet. <laughs> Mom, I'm on the line in my room. <laughs> Mom, hang up the phone. Did we just show how old we are? Probably. That's cool, though. <laughs> also, I love this. I'm going to take a screen capture of Chris right now. Stop taking screen captures Never. of our frozen faces. Never. Well, as soon as this you stop freezing, real, I'll stop taking uh, screen captures. This is going to be the real behind the Patreon paywall. It's just all the pictures, all the screen caps Fletcher takes of our frozen faces. And, but for the people who listen, who don't know what we're talking about, I asked in the Board Game Geek forums, which you can find at tabletopgametalk.com slash BGG, if you, would you rather 
be able to only play the current top 30 favorite games you have, or never be able to play the same game more than twice. And I said more than twice because I do believe the first game is always a learning game, so the second game is the first time you really play it. And we had 22 people respond. Any guesses as to the results? Because I, I think that you guys have probably not seen the results. Oh. Of <laughs> <laughs> well, now I know what to put after the credits. <laughs> so you were saying. So I was saying, where did I, where did you lose me? <laughs> like at the beginning of your sentence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, well. You did a poll. You gathered the data, and it said. <laughs> and it said, we're waited with baiting breath. Baited breath. I'm just going to leave. What did it say? I'm going to leave this whole thing in here. I'm going to split out my little talking while you guys are talking, and then something's going to happen, and now I'm just going to go straight to asking you the question. If you could play... Your top favorite 30 games, those are the your current today top favorite 30 games. You could only ever play those for the rest of your life, or you could play only new games, and you could never play a game more than twice for the rest of your life. Which one would you choose? Kitty. Okay, so I don't know that I have 30 games. All right, fine. Your top 10 games. Okay, well, that changes my answer, because like if I had 30 games to play for forever, I could do that. But if I'm limited to 10, I feel like maybe I'd get bored of those. All right. We'll answer. So there's like a number in there. (laughs) Would you rather. Top 500 (laughs) games. Would you rather. (laughs) All right. Would you play your favorite games right now? Your all time favorite games right now. How many ever number that would be. But you never could play a new game. Or would you only want to be able to play new games? Neither. (laughs) <laughs> That's not how these you're breaking the work. question it's a hypothetical <laughs> i want to hear from fletcher all right i don't want to be pinned in a box okay so chris my question is when you say you can only play new games that means when you play when when you play a game once that's it no, never again no more than twice so you get to play the first time basically you play each game twice no more than twice so the first time you so play you get it to learn it then play right. it and that's it that's it. Basically. Then uh, throw I'd probably it out go next game. new games then. You're going to go only new games? Yeah. All right. My ideal system would be like I get to pick like five games that are like my repeatable games and then I only play new games. This is That's not part of the games. question. Yeah. Though. You're, you're, you can't. <laughs> you're making up. Your, you're answering your own made up question. <laughs> I'm the expert. Somebody gave me a podcast and now I'm an expert and no one can stop me from answering my own questions. All right. Well, 86% of our listeners decided that no new games. So they would rather play the same 30 games that they own now over and over and never be able to play a new game over 13% that said they would only want to play new games. So I'm, I guess if I must choose one in your poorly constructed poll, I would choose old games. <laughs> See, I think I would choose new games. Or yeah, least, that's the right answer. Yeah, at least Chris, as of a couple weeks ago, would definitely choose new games. I'm starting to convince myself that maybe that's wrong, but we'll find out. We're going to talk. Uh, that's why I want to do pros and cons of playing games over and over again, because I think there are a few cons. There's definitely pros, though. The other question I answer, asked in this poll, not answered, but asked, was, on average, how often have you played the games in your collection, Collection, excluding lifestyle games like Magic Keyforge, things that you would play over and over and over? 
So less than once, i.e. you have several unplayed games in your collection, about once, two or three times, four or more, or you play them until they're worn out. Where are you guys at in that? Mm, I am probably at less than once because you keep giving me games that I (laughs) don't have time to play. I would say half of my games are in the four or more and half of my games are in the less than once. <laughs> like also not answering the question. <laughs> but but enlightening nonetheless because it is I think that's true like I think we all have kind of this this core collection that we like to play and then yeah. you have these extra games that you like to have but you don't play nearly as much. Well, I also, you know, got on this Kickstarter backing kick when we had the Kickstarter edition and I still back several games a year. And so I have like new Kickstarter games coming in all the time and I try to get them to the table, but it takes a while. Sometimes a lot of these games I backed because I thought they looked fun, but now I don't have somebody to play with. There's something like that going on. And once I get them to the table, somebody like I played with discovers like, oh, this was a really fun game. Now I have a person to play that game with. It gets in my core collection. It gets added or I decide like this is going in the Gen Con pile. It's kind of like one or the other. I decide like this is something I want to keep playing or it's time to move this out. Like it gets two plays and then gets moved on. It's better than in some of my games where they've gotten no plays because I got them from Kickstarter and I just can't get excited about playing it. So it just goes directly into the Gen Con pile. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of Gen Con, thanks for reminding me. I still haven't got confirmation on our date. I'm going to email them this week uh, because I know that's going to open up in a week or two as far as... Uh, signing up for different events. So if you can't find Tabletop Game Talk Live, it's just simply because it's not listed yet. It's not because you can't find it. So good reminder. Um, also, <laughs> if you come to the Tabletop Game Talk Live event, you will walk away with one of these games that we're talking about because that's how we... One of, these Chris's de- Chris, one of these games that Chris deems unworthy. You get to have one of those. <laughs> I will say, though, that's some pretty awesome games at times. I just have too many. It's yeah. true. Listen to back to some of the old Gen Con stuff. I think people were surprised as to what I was giving away. So there's a there's quite a few really good ones this year. We'll see. Um, I accidentally bought a few of them multiple times. So there's just there's games that I will still own and also give away. So the results of the poll was about 20% list played their games less than once. Um, about once is about 10%. And then I'm going to combine the two or more into one. So about 65% of people play their games two or more times. Um, I guess it's sort of 30% two or three times and 40% four or more. And only one person said that they played them until they get worn out. So that's it from this. That person only has one game. They only have one. Yeah. (laughs) It's risk. It's totally worn out at this point. They just keep playing it. But I mean, there are games like that. Like, I, so I'm, I'm having such a hard time being hemmed in by this topic. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to be categorized. Um, cause I feel like I have these games. There's some games that like I love. I love and I'm going to play them forever. And new games are always being added to that category. And sometimes I get sick of a game and it falls out of that for a while. But. You know, there's there's these games that I really love, but then I also have new games that I want to play. I don't want to be stuck playing just these games forever, but I don't want to give up like my 10 favorite games. So so that's my circle that I live in is like I've got 10 games that I want to play until I wear them out. And then but I want to try new games mostly with Chris because Chris always has new games. to play. I have so many new games. <laughs> I'm taking off the chains now. This was just for the poll. I was in if you're forced to. OK, just for the poll. So. 
we're not going to take the premise that you should only play new games. Um, it it's not a you know hardcore cult of the old. Unless the game is ten years old, it's not worth playing type of stance. Because I do think that if we're talking pros and cons of new games or of playing games multiple times, one of the major cons is not discovering the new stuff that's coming out. And games are new games are coming out all the time, and really good games are coming out all the time. So like that's the the first major con I can think of of playing games over and over. So let's go to the pro side of things. And we did very, very little notes on this. Practically no notes whatsoever. <laughs> so we're all coming at this a little bit cold. Well, you guys are probably more cold than I am on this. But I'm wondering, what are the pros of playing the same game multiple times? Like, why Why would you do that? Why would you play and I, multiple times being, again, more than like two or three times? You develop a deeper strategy, understanding of the game. Is that a good thing? I mean, it yes. can be if you <laughs> want to be good at the game, if that's your goal. Is that a, yeah. a, everyone's goal to be good at a game? Well, yes, Chris. <laughs> That's <laughs> well, everyone's well, goal. And, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm not saying I'm more or less playing devil's advocate because I don't disagree with you. I mean, it's it's per person, right? Like it's based on the individual. So that is Fletcher's goal in playing a game is to well i mean that's just that's just one one of your goals you could also just really like and enjoy the mechanics of the game and want to play it again because you find it really fun so my game that i've been playing over and over the game that is getting frequently to my table recently is wingspan which anyone listening to this podcast probably already knows um and i think it's really fun because every time i play it it's different we see different birds come up. You are seeing different information. It's fun. I'm learning about birds through <laughs> playing this game and we are cracking ourselves up. Like, and there's some birds that do come up more than once. And now, like, everyone's like, oh, the roseate spoonbill is here again, you know, and it's fun. And it's just fun to like get to know the game, to learn the game, um, and to appreciate the like art and detail that went into making a really good game. I I like that. And I think that what happens, too, when you play the same game over, because you're playing it mostly with your family, right? Yes, but with other people as well. So, and But one of the pros to playing that same game is you know how to play it backwards and forwards. Setup is instantaneous. Yeah. Teaching it is pretty mm-hmm. much instantaneous. Even though, I mean, Wingspan's not a super complicated game. But when you first tried to learn it's it, tricky. it took a while. It's tricky to learn. It's tricky to teach to somebody who doesn't play a lot of board games. Um, I had, so we were doing um, game night at my church. We were having people come. And so one person I taught the game to, not really big on playing games very often, but very eager to learn, had a lot of fun. But it took a lot of time to kind of pick up the game. And, you know, she played it with us two different weeks. So the first week it was kind of like, I don't know what's happening. And the second week she's pretty much picking it up. Uh, but then one of the other people I was teaching plays Magic the Gathering, and he beat me the first time we played the game. You know, like, there's just that some people who play a lot of different new games or the same game that has very complicated rule sets, they can pick things up a lot faster. So, well, there's definitely, I, I don't know where I was well, going Well, there's definitely this. card combos <laughs> in there. And I think that that's one of the things that makes Wingspan very replayable is that the card combos you're going to get different combos every time. And so like a magic player, they're looking at it and they're looking at, oh, these cards work together and I can form this chain and get that going. Or someone who's never kind of thought about how things combo together, they're going to have a much harder time 
because they're just not used to that. They're going to be like, oh, I like this bird. I'm going to play that. And I'm going to play that bird. And they didn't, they're not creating synergies because they don't think in that synergy thing until they've played it again. And they're like, oh, wait, right. So these allow me to lay eggs and eggs allow me to get new birds. And these birds allow me to get more food. And I can... I'm looking at the end of round goals. And now I see that I'm looking for cup nests and for water birds. So now I'm going to look for water birds with cup nests. And I'm like, I have that in my mind and that kind of stuff too. All right. I like that one. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm trying to think, I, I'm just going to switch game categories for a moment because the <laughs> games that I play over and over and over are legacy games or campaign games. And the advantage. Yes. Yes, but. but. <laughs> Well, so you finish your thought first, and then I'll tell you why you're wrong. All right, deal. <laughs> so what I what I like about these games is they force me to play it again. They force me to keep coming back to it, and by doing that, I'm getting a better understanding of the game. I'm trying new things, but at the same time, because it's a campaign game or a legacy game where things are changing from game to game, I don't feel like I'm just doing the same thing over and over. Because that's another problem that I have with playing the same game is I feel like I've already done this. And if I'm just resetting and there's nothing different between now and that time and this time, you know, how, why am I doing this? Now, why am I wrong? Because that's really great for 12 games. And you're going to have a really good time. It's going to get you to play that game 12 times, but you can't keep playing it after that. It's depending on the game. Some of them, now I think we're moving more towards, there's like so many scenarios in the campaign. And then at the end, you have a playable customized version of the game basically but something like pandemic legacy you play it 12 to 24 times that's it you're done charter stone that house or betrayal on house in the hill and uh, aeons and legacy all of those are play the legacy and then you have your own version of the game to play through but how likely are you to play the customized version of that game again how many times you and sydney played charter stone like in a weekend you like sped through it how many times has it gotten to your table since you finished the legacy aspect of it well zero because there's nothing else that's gonna change (laughs) yeah it's they do i think that you know the argument is is a legacy game worth the money because it's not going to be infinitely replayable yes you get it to the table enough times it tells a really fun story it really like draws you into the game you learn it things change you get to open things they're really really fun but I don't think you get to say like infinite replayability is their draw. I would agree with that. I think they're a really good middle ground. I also, I think that Todd McCorkle also disagrees with me strongly. So I'm going to read this. He <laughs> says, I've angered my game group a couple of times with the statement. If I only play a game once, I feel like I'm wasting my time. And I'm pretty sure my statement just now was, if I'm playing the same game again, I'm wasting my time. <laughs> so, like, it, it couldn't be more opposite. So, he, he goes on. Uh, we all know the first game is a learning game. If a game never gets a second play, why did we bother learning it? So, I agree with this. I, I think that playing a game twice makes sense. Um, he says, I just spent X amount of time learning the rules and interactions of a game and maybe some beginning strategy. Once the game is over, guess I pre- better forget everything because I'll never need that info again. It's a bit frustrating. Now, for me, I find that I've learned something new. I've learned how to play a new game. Great. Awesome. I will file that away. And I think what I do, though, is I'm I'm not playing a game to Fletcher's point to get better at it, to win. 
you know, I usually win the first time I play anyway because I'm just that good. And I don't Humble need brand. to keep playing it. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> Not true. But what is true is, in my mind, I'm more of a game designer than a game player. And I'm trying to change that. And there are a lot of games that just sort of the point of this particular episode is this is changing in me. But when I play a new game, it doesn't feel like I'm just learning a new rule set never to use it again. I feel like I'm learning a new rule set that allows me to use my creative energy to change that in my head and create a new game, even if that game never actually pops up. That activity of like, wow, this is a really cool system. I could use that and I could add this over here and I could do this. And that would be a really cool game if I ever had enough time to actually sit down and put that out. So to me, it, it's not, it doesn't feel like a waste of time to learn a new game. It, I don't know. But I, I don't disagree with you, Todd. I think that from a standpoint that Fletcher's coming from, I, I agree that, you know, why learn a game if you're not going to keep playing it and get good at it? So Fletcher, do you have any other pros to playing games more than once? I mean, you could like the game and it's fun. I'll play it again. <laughs> I'd say like, that's like, I don't know, number one. I agree. Give me an example of a game like that. Any game you find fun? I'm working on it. Any game you find fun. <laughs> I find a lot of games fun. Oh, so here's here's another problem that I run into. Wingspan. <laughs> <laughs> so that great example. I would certainly play Wingspan if Kitty's like, hey, let's play Wingspan. I'm like, okay, sure. I'll play it. The second, third, fourth, fifth time. I'll say third, fourth, fifth time of playing Wingspan, though. I do not have as much fun with the game as I do the first and second time playing a game. Because part of the fun for me is discovering the game. So I think this comes to um, why we play games. I think we each have a different kind of space that we're coming from, why we play games, and like what we think is fun about a game. So if what you think is fun about a game is winning, you're going to want to play a game you can win. If you think what's fun about playing a game is learning a game, you're going to want to play lots of new games. If you think what's fun about a game is experiencing the game that you love for whatever reason it is, it's beautiful art, it's my friends like this game and I want to play with my friends. Those are the games that you're going to be drawn to. So it might be the same games over and over again, or it might be whatever my friend wants to play, or it might be I need to get something new to my table because I'm getting bored. Though that's, I think, it's just a personality difference. It's a where we're coming from is going to color how we decide what we want to play and how many times we want to play it. I'll give that. Yeah. I mean, I, that's absolutely true. I'm trying to think, because another thing I really hate doing is teaching complicated games to people, especially if I don't know how to play the game yet. So I have a lot of games that I really like, but I know that teaching that game is going to take a while. And because I've already played the game, I'm like, I'd either have to handicap myself or which we've done an episode on as well. Um, or just it's like anachrony. We did an episode on handicapping. Ourselves? Um, I think like playing against like new players. So when you're teaching somebody a new game, teaching, okay. yeah, you have to, yeah. you don't want to just like destroy them. You can try new strategies or you can try something different or off the wall. And so something like Anachrony, which is not the simplest game in the world, but it's not super complex. I could teach the game in, you know, 15 minutes, but the strategies are really, it's hard to think about those strategies when you're first playing it. Where me, I'm like, oh, I'm going to try this strategy. And I'm going to do this thing. And oh, all of a sudden, I have the triple the score of everyone else at the end of the game. That's not necessarily 
I, I had fun playing the game, but I don't know that the people who were playing it with me were having fun. <laughs> so I'll avoid those games. And I think my go-to games are things like, you know, Century Spice Road or specifically Gollum Edition because I think it's prettier, but um, or, or Splendor. <laughs> well, who wants brown cubes in their game? <laughs> Gross. Um, or now Tiny Towns. Tiny Towns is a great game because they're super easy to learn and they do have kind of an element of luck. Well, Tiny Towns doesn't. Tiny Towns is much more strategic than lucky. But, you know, Splendor and and Sentry have a luck element that equalizes things that I don't have to play down to the people I'm playing with. And the rules are simple enough where I can set it up and we can just play. Those tend to be my go-to games, even though they're probably not the most fun games I have. I still would play those games over and over and over because it's so easy to get other people to play them. So maybe that's a pro in playing the same games over and over and over, but maybe not. I don't know. I don't know if it's a pro or con or whatever. (laughs) I think that you're coming around to my way of thinking of that. No, you don't want to. Yeah, (laughs) it is. I'm right about this. And that is my point is there are games that you have to be able to play over and over and over again. You can't be in this hobby and never play the same game more than two times sure. you just can't you have to have these games that like make your own and it's different for everyone else everyone has their own like core collection of games it's their like top five top 10 top 20 depends on how big your collection is of games that are going to be like this is my game i pull out when my family comes over this is my game that i pull out when my friends come over these are my easy to learn games, my easy to teach games. This is my game that I love. And every time I want to game, this is the one I want to bring to the table. Everyone has those. But because we're in this hobby, we see what's coming out. We see what's new. You don't want to let that go. That's part of the fun of this is exploring and finding new things and realizing that something is going to be your new core game collection. Like this is going into the rotation. Wingspan, how long ago did that come out? November? Mm, well, Technically January or February, but nobody could get a really? hold of it. So you're one of the very few people that actually have this game. I know. The second printing. I feel so privileged. The second printing is actually coming, I think, right now. So you can you can pick it up very soon. But go find it. <laughs> Check your local game stores. Yay! Yeah. Um, the oh, point I is, I can't believe it's only been since January. Since January, it is already one of my favorite games. I've played it more than almost any other game in my collection. If I hadn't. If I just shut down, I'm like, oh, well, I have herbalism. I've got these other games. I have this tableau builder that fills this niche. I don't need to expand my collection. I wouldn't have this game that I is like core to my essential collection now. So that is a con to playing the same games over and over is you don't get to discover your new wingspan. Yeah, there are. I don't think anyone can be entirely in either of these games. I agree with you. 100% I agree with it's you. It's like you've set up this <laughs> false no, choice. No, 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 no. I'm, I agree with you that I don't think that's why yeah. we're making the pro-con list. It's not mm-hmm. It's not like it's all cons or all pros. I think it's like 50-50 split for me, personally. It's like they, they weigh each other. Like playing the same games is really fun. You get to get better at things. You get to enjoy the game that you know you're going to enjoy. But you're not discovering something new that could be really awesome, could be tons of fun. If you only have an hour, you have to choose one. It's hard. It's a hard choice to make. Fletcher, what is your currently most played game? Mm, In terms of plays or hours? Plays. Like restarting (laughs) and starting a game from scratch. 
Uh, I have to think about that. We'll give it hours then, if that's easier. (laughs) Hours would be Gloomhaven. Yeah. I mean, not counting like Dungeons and Dragons or something like that. Well, and so those two, while you're thinking about your non, well, your normal plays games, those two, I think, would count more in the legacy department of games. Because Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, Dungeons and Dragons, every time we play it, it is a different game. We are not resetting from scratch. Even if we all start with the exact same first level characters every single time, it would still be a completely different game every time you played it. Even if you played the same adventure half the time, well, not even half the time, almost I've never ran the same adventure more than or uh, where the exact same things happened ever. And Gloomhaven sort of the same thing. You're you're doing different scenarios every time. So to me, those games are compelling to play over and over because they're different every time. I don't feel like I'm resetting from scratch. And saying, okay, everyone gets eight of these pieces and four of these and draw three cards and ready, go. And we'll get to Keyforge so in would, a second because I have a, something to say on that too. But go ahead. <laughs> I would say not counting like party games, right? Like Pictionary or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I would say either Sushi Go Party, which is kind of a party <laughs> game because it has party in it the does name. does have party in the but, name. Uh, or Pandemic. Okay. Maybe Splendor. Actually, you know what? I take it all back. It's Elaminis, probably, because that's the easiest. Elaminis. It's it's, it's kind of like another party game. It's like um, it's like Uno almost. Oh, I it's think it's like it's like Uno with a rock paper scissors element. Okay, I think I remember this. I think it was the Kickstarter. Pretty sure it was. I'd have to look at these. It. Are kind of all party games, but I'd say the the non party game would be probably maybe Pandemic or Splendor, which I think. Well, this looks fun. Yeah, I think Pandemic and Splendor are are great <laughs> games to play over and over again because well splendor just because i don't know why that game has such replay value i think it's because there's and it's random i don't know people are going to disagree but there is no skill involved in splendor but it makes you feel like you're making the best decisions and that you have so much skill and i love that about that game like you can't be skill. You cannot be good at Splendor. You can be bad at it, but you, you cannot be good say, at it. I was going to say, you can't be good at it, but you can be really bad yeah. at it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's some <laughs> skill because you can't just like pick randomly and win every time. Right. But so is, assuming you're playing in a general strategy of like, I need to, you know, get cards to build up my tableau so I can get other cards. If everyone has that same basic skill level, which doesn't take long to get to. It is a random game, but it still feels fun and it's fun to play. It, it, I don't know. There's something crazy about it. Now, for me, obviously, Sentry is the is my Splendor Killer, but it's that it has still the same mechanics. There's not a it's whole lot of much skill. It's the same, yeah. Yeah. It's just everyone has equal chance and I don't feel like I have to pull my punches and sometimes I'll win, sometimes I'll lose. And either way, I'm going to have fun doing it. And so I like those games to play those over. Kenny, you look like you had something to say. Um. I don't know. <laughs> I was just thinking of games that I really like to play, but I don't very often because I don't have the temperament necessarily <laughs> to play them. <laughs> Things like Blood Rage that I really, really like, but I know that somebody's going to do something that's going to make me grumpy and I'm going to make you blood rage. Pieces. <laughs> it will. You. Fletcher, we're not part of the podcast when I almost chucked a two-inch piece of pot plastic through Josh's forehead. Um, it was it was a very bad situation, um, but I really like that game, uh, and I don't know where that really falls in this like spectrum of 
things. Well, I don't know if it's in any way applicable to the conversation, but that's what I was thinking of. So I'm going to throw <laughs> this into a pro-con column. So Blood Rage is a great example of... Um, Fletcher, have you played Blood Rage? Yes, I played it with you. Okay, good. Um, so Blood I Rage- lost really badly because it was my first time playing. And I was like, <laughs> what do I do? Oh, wait, killing guys is kind of... Killing your own people are kind of good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> killing other people when they want to die is... Yeah. So Blood Rage is a great example of a game... Once you've played it a couple times, you start to see combos that you can draft the cards for. Awesome. But once you've played it a few times, you're like, I have my favorite combos that I'm going to keep trying to draft for. And if I can't draft those combos, then I suddenly am not going to have a lot of fun because I wanted to get that particular combo. I really like the Loki strategy, but I didn't draft Loki. So I guess I'm going to lose this time because I'm not good at any other strategy. I can see that 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 being... I, I don't know. Like, you don't need to hem yourself in that much. Like, I don't think that there... There may be people out there who are like, well, if I don't get to play Loki, I don't get to have fun. I think there's a lot more people out there, though, who are like, I want to see, like, what's my first hand that I'm going to draft? I'm going to get to make a decision based on, like, this random event. And that makes games more replayable. It's like the the randomness of it makes it more fun because you never know what you're going to get. It's it's life is like a box of chocolates. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say. That's why I say it's a <laughs> pro and a con. Right? That different yeah. thing. So it really depends on your mindset as to whether or not I like this strategy and I'm always going to play this strategy whenever possible. And if I don't get that strategy, I'm just not good at anything else versus I, this game is always new and fresh to me because I get to try a new strategy based on the cards that are available to draft at the time. So Blood Rage, I don't know that I've ever played it more than once in a month, but every time I play it, I enjoy it. And I have played it. I don't know, probably a dozen times total since I've had it. And I just have the base game. I don't have anything special. I do have the Mystic expansion and the Gods expansion, but those are rarely ever used, especially the Gods expansion. I don't like that one at all. But um, that's the thing with expansions, too. Expansions make these games that we've played over and over new and fresh. So that's a a pro for playing a game over and over is you actually are able to use the expansions that I keep buying and never playing with. (laughs) um let's go to some listener input kitty why don't you do yours all right so Anne wrote in and says i like to play games repeatedly and i'm starting to trim back my collection to those games i see myself playing many times pros focusing on selected reduced set of game you get to develop an in-depth understanding of a variety of strategies and tactics with the popularity of variable setup and asymmetry, you get to fully explore all the different pieces and parts. If you can play frequently with the same group of people, the barriers to getting out that really complex game are reduced. And game time is reduced because you forego rules explanations. All right, let's stop there for a moment. Leads to more gaming. Yep. I'm going to finish my sentence, then we can stop. <laughs> I'm going to interrupt you because there was a return there that I did not see. Um, <laughs> well, I might have saw the return. I just didn't see the next line. But anyway... I, I, the last one I actually really, really think is a huge pro of playing the game over and over. Not having to learn the rules, not having to explain the rules, just being able to set it up and play it is. uh, It's huge. It's huge. It gains you. It can take sometimes, depending on the length of gameplay, it can take half an hour or more just to explain the rules, just to get through the first round of a game takes as long as the rest of the game takes sometimes. There are games that have like a less than an hour playtime where I've spent more time teaching the game than we actually spend playing the game. 
And that's really, really yep. frustrating when you're only playing it once. And th- I have to go back I'm and agree at with you Todd. First Martian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like finally we got through the rules, and oh, there's actually no game here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a storybook. Yeah. It, no, it's it's with eighteen hundred fiddly pieces and an app that doesn't. And that's enough of us actually help you do it. So yes, um, if it if you haven't been listening, no more really not first Martian. Yeah. <laughs> If you haven't been listening, First Martians has been a game we haven't actually cared for for a little while now. Great production, though. Like, gorgeous game. Yeah. Not much of a game. All right. So, Anne's Anne's cons. Are we ready for these? All right. We're ready for these. But I want you to read this first one correctly. But but the new stuff. Nice. Was that the (laughs) right? That was good. There you go. (laughs) Uh, Games improve over time. So, why wouldn't you want to peruse Pursue access to those new games and ideas. Your game group can potentially become fairly insular because you all know the same games and play the same games. Might consider this a pro. She considers it a con. And burnout. So burnout? So I think burnout happens anytime you play a game over and over and over. And the problem with that is your gaming group will burn out at different rates. Well, I think the thing about burnout is it happens when you play this when you play only the same game over and over and over i think it takes you maybe it just takes less time to burn out if you're throwing in the same game with other games but i think you can avoid burnout entirely and still be able to play the game frequently as long as you're mixing it up Uh, i would agree with that i mean because you can limit burnout by just not getting too close to the fire Yes. So I think that's what Anne's conclusion is here, down. too. It always does. You can Welcome limit burnout by dousing yourself in water. <laughs> if you just bring a fire extinguisher. Um, so Anne's conclusion is, so what I really want is the option for a smallish collection where I can pull in new games periodically, which is what I've been saying. I'm with you, Anne. I think I'm probably there as well. Um I'm I'm curious about the except that your idea of a small collection and everyone else's idea of a small collection is, or maybe it's the new games number that you pull in. I don't know I'm, how many games do you think you have to have in your core games, Chris? If I could limit myself to thirty games, I could say <laughs> I am going to. That's such a big number. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's like a tenth of my current collection. So, oh, you have so many games. I do, I do. I'm sorry. You just have like your house is made out of games. It's like a gingerbread house, but it's meeples. <laughs> it's like of a cardboard drops. box. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to cut back. I am, I am. Which is why, like, I want to learn how to play the same game more than once. But I do think that there are games in my collection that, and I've, I've been doing this so my game room has some built-in shells, and any game that doesn't meet the criteria of that I would pull this off the shelf and play it right now. I'm putting Any game in the that doesn't fit on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of Have those. you seen the room? There's a lot of them on the floor. Yeah, that's Lies. true. The ones it's that don't fit true. on the shelf go on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. So, but- so I do think you've taken an important first step, though, which is you've stopped buying so many games. I have. So the- If you don't bring in too many... It's a you're able to like cultivate the collection you have a bit better. And the last game I bought was Tiny Towns. This is not counting Kickstarters that keep showing up at my door and will for the next, I don't know, 
20 years. Three years, <laughs> at least. Yeah. Um, three years consistently. Yes. Who knows? I will get them going forward. I will get them for the next three years consistently. Uh, but Tiny Towns, I once I saw the how to play down that, I went out and bought that game immediately because I'm like, this game is cool. This game is going to be a game that I am going to happily pull out and play with family and friends because it's super easy to teach. But it's also, it's deceptively hard. And so there's a lot of different strategies that you can take with it. But you can be good at Tiny Towns. And you will destroy the people that don't catch on to how it plays. <laughs> destroy your loved ones with Tiny Towns. What a great, what a ringing endorsement, Chris. But it plays so fast that the people can be like, oh, oh, I know what I did wrong. Okay, let's play it again. And you have that. And then you destroy them again. Then you can destroy them again. Cruel. Cool. <laughs> cool. I'm so excited to play this with you. <laughs> you will like this game. I think. I think you will like this game. Um, so You're going to be crying at the end of it, but you'll love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fine, fine, fine. Um, As you leave with your dignity dragged behind you. It's not like Chris plays to win or anything. No. <laughs> Never. It's, it, it's because it's fun. It's the spatial puzzle that, I don't know. I'm trying to find a reason to play a game over it's and not, over. It's not that winning is fun. It's that... It's crushing your winning. opponent into dust. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to crush your opponent, they might as well be put into dust. <sighs> fine. Whatever. Um, wait, let's, I want to see if there's anything else here. And these, these are great points. I do think new stuff is a big deal. And I'm wondering, so we spend a lot of time, or at least I do, listening to podcasts, watching game stuff on YouTube, perusing Board Game Geek, um, going over the hotness. Like, I spend a lot of time looking at new games all the time. I believe that if I just stop doing that, if I just stopped looking at new games all the time, I could be fine playing the games I already have without feeling like I'm missing out on the new games. But I like this hobby, so I want to keep researching games, which keeps me from saying, oh, well, I could play this game again. No, I've already done that. But this is other new game that someone's talking about, and that one seems awesome. And I don't know how to solve that problem. So what I've been doing, because I do the same kind of thing you do. Uh, Dice Tower News is really just, it puts everything on your radar. You're looking at the hotness, you're looking at new releases, you're looking at news stories. It really is, you are getting like just a little glimpse of everything. If you'd like to join us in the cult of the new Dice Tower News every Friday, now on Android. But here's the thing, I go back. So when I'm looking at, say, Kickstarter, we each highlight a Kickstarter every week. I never back something the first time I see it. I put it in my saved list and I go back to it. And a lot of things I'll be looking at, oh my gosh, so much stuff came out this week. Oh my gosh, it all looks so good. And then when I go back, I'm like, but really it was just this one game that I got really excited about. And I'm going to back that one. Or really, now that I'm looking, it's like, ah, I don't know. There can be like an excitement of like, oh, this sounds like such a cool idea. And once you realize that the idea was cool, that maybe the game doesn't need to, you know, be part of your collection. And if it's a really, really cool idea, it'll still seem really, really cool two, three weeks later. I, I don't know, having that like cool down, the initial excitement, and then like the cool down time really has helped me to not want to buy every single thing that I see. Yeah. Well, and that's why I'm trying to set this hard rule of 
10 new games on Kickstarter. I, I'm getting a decent number of expansions as well because they're for games that I really do like and I really do like playing. Um, but I'm trying to say, no, I can't just buy new games for new games sake. So how many games are you at for the year? Four. I just did a post. Four. I just did a post on BGG. Um, so if you don't follow us on BGG and you're curious about my Kickstarter buying habits, um, that's where I put my current, you know, whenever I do back something new, I put it on uh, BGG. And that is, I'm bringing it up right now. I can tell you exactly what it is because, um, yep, three and four. So the four games that I have backed is Suburbia Collector's Edition, Tiny Epic Tactics, because I will buy anything Tiny Epic, uh, Kingdom Rush, Rift in Time, and Bloodborne, which is just a crazy game by Simon that's like at two or three million dollars or some crazy amount. Um, I've gotten expansions for Root, expansions for Anachrony, Terraforming Mars, and Plague Inc. And the Terraforming Mars expansion is simply because I they have player boards that are really cool and some other stuff that's really cool. And keep people keep telling me that this is a good game, so I figure if I get an expansion for it, maybe I'll play it. Seems reasonable, right? I, I think I've backed more games than you this year. You might have. I think you might have. Oh, uh, I don't remember the dates on some of these. Yeah, this Kingdom uh, Rush game. This feels so weird. Yes, it's based off the um, it's pick, tower defense. Based game. off the tower defense fence. Yeah, by Ironhide. Yep. Uh, this looks cool. I have to look into this because I really love those games and I love the artwork. Yeah, this Kingdom Rush Tactics or Kingdom Rush Tactics Kingdom Rush looks really, really cool. And it has a, a really cool mechanic with it as well. So, um, but yeah, so I'm trying to restrict myself so I can play the games I already own more than once. And I'm also trying to give myself a rule of saying I'm going to play a game at least three times before shelving it and not pulling it out again. But I'm finding it hard to stick to that rule because some of these games are just big. And mostly I just have Sydney to play with. And she'll play pretty much any game with me. But like she has her favorites as well. And they don't necessarily fully line up with mine. Which, um, yeah. yeah. Fletcher, why don't you read this from Eric? Okay. So Eric Sealander writes, Well, I'm clearly yet unintentionally in the cult of the new... And I love the discovery of new games. The idea of never playing games more than once is horrible. While I almost always prefer to play a new game over a repeated, over a repeated game, the yearning to play the, my most loved games again is strong. I would not want to lose that possibility, and I would never want to play a game with the knowledge that I could never play it again, even if I love it. Yeah, and and that's why I'm, I'm like, you can't have a hard and fast rule. Like our our poll wasn't an imaginary poll. And Kitty, it looks like you've backed twice as many games as me this year. It's true. <laughs> I think I still have spent a quarter of the money that you did, though. Probably you probably, especially since the um, Bloodborne one is it's a hundred dollars for the base game, but then I think it's an extra hundred and eighty or two hundred and eighty dollars oh. to add all the extra stuff. I actually only backed seven games. Spencer backed one game. Ah. Okay. But it's my account because he doesn't <laughs> normally do that. But he backed the Vampire or the Masquerade Heritage game. As he should have. And that was by far the most expensive game that has been backed. I think besides that one was the um, Parks board game. And that's because I got the playing cards as well. Yeah. Everything else is in like the $25 range. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So to wrap up this subject, I do I the pros and cons of playing games over again, I do... I, I'm not going to say there's a winner. There's not. I think that 
the cult of the new and the cult of the old are real. I think there are many people out there that just want to try the new hotness. And there's a lot of people out there like, I just want to keep playing the games I like playing. And if a new game comes along that I find that I like, great. But I think that the hobby is much more of a Venn diagram than we like to think. And that most of us are in the middle. That there's like the cult of the new that also plays old games. And then there's the cult of the old that also plays new games and that like, you know, we're most happy in the middle and that, yeah, there's people at the extremes, Chris, (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) that most of us are happy to, you know, have our collection of games that we like to get to the table lots, but we never want to say no to trying something new. Exactly. All right. Let's go to listener mail. Who wants to go first? All right. I'll go first. You should go first. (laughs) (laughs) This is from Eric on BGG. Um, I didn't put a last name. So one of the Eric's, we have a lot of Eric's. But one, we do have a lot of Eric's. <laughs> one of the Eric's uh, was talking about reacting to um, playing games against yourself. And he says, the problem of dealing with hidden information when playing games against yourself was addressed in the episode, but it remains the hurdle that prevents me from gaming this way with almost every game. Even a perfect information game is, re- is repellent with hidden information in the replete. F- replete. 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 Yeah. Even. A perfect information game has a lot of hidden information in the form of opponent strategy. (laughs) That's also how I write term papers when I can't spell something. Um, I don't write term papers anymore, but I write a lot of things and my emails get a lot of alternate words. This is why Christie's is code complete. (laughs) Indeed. So he points out a few things here, and I did respond to this on BGG with a... A rather lengthy thread, which I won't get into much. Um, but I did want to address this because I think this is, it's interesting. I used to think this exact same way and sort of until I started doing it. So his points were in order for this type of solo play to work, one would either need to a completely forget the non active players plans every single turn or legitimately make decisions that are entirely unbiased by knowledge of the non active players plans. Or determine that the game at hand works just as well with open strategies, or determine that the game is devoid of strategy altogether. Now, I think the the last one is probably the most extreme. I think all games have some kind of strategy. But the idea here, I think C, determine that the game at hand works just as well with open strategies. I believe that this can be the case for most open information games. That is, games where you're not interrupting you don't have like a hand of cards that you're going to ambush somebody or something like that. You have to have, it has to be fair. Everyone has to be able to analyze the board. And in that case, I think that the best way to think about this when you're playing games against yourself is you're not trying to trick your opponent by misleading them. You're trying to outplay your opponent by forcing them into a particular situation. So like in chess, there's two ways you can win. You can beat somebody because you're taking advantage of that player's bad moves or you're tricking them into doing something. So they're not paying attention and you win. Or you can actually lock them into a situation where they have no choice but to make the moves that you're forcing them to do. That latter way is the way you have to think about it when you're playing games against yourself. Don't try to trick yourself. It's like that's that's not going to make you a better player. Force yeah. the other player into a situation that when you are then taking that person's turn, you are forced to make the moves that your other alter self is trying to make you do. Does that make sense? Yes. I think so. (laughs) (laughs) It's also really hard to fool yourself. Right, exactly. So I don't think... But it's still fun to play without... Like, if you're trying to win based on the other person not knowing what you're doing, that's not the only way to win. They can see what you're doing and still not be able to stop you. It's like the last move in every game of tic-tac-toe. is like... 
this is my only choice. I must make it, but I know it's going to let you win. Right. You know, like I have my my two bad choices. And in tic-tac-toe, you should always have a draw. But the same point, right? You're being forced into that defensive position, depending on what you're doing. So I think that in summary here, don't think about playing the other player. You're not playing against the other player. You're playing against the current board state. You just happen to be playing against a player who's as smart as you are and sees what you're trying to do. And that's how you play against yourself and you get better at doing that. You get better at not having to have players be worse at the game than you. You can play someone who's of equal challenge. All right. So that's, like I say, I, I wrote a basically a book on BGG. So if you're interested, check out the <laughs> forum there. But all right. One of you go. Okay. I'll go next. Um, so Rachel is also responding to our playing against yourself or playing however we phrase it. <laughs> um, so in response to <laughs> trying to keep this PG. Um, in response to the question about an auto player or playing two players while playing against myself, it depends on what the game is. For example, Tiny Epic Galaxies has a great auto player for solo. It is challenging to beat, but can be done, and there are multiple levels. In contrast, a game from the same developer, Tiny Epic Quest, does not have an auto player. You just play one player by yourself with slightly adjusted rules. In this game, I prefer to play two players because you have somebody to share the fate with and you have more time to accomplish your goals. So I think it depends on how the game and the auto work. She had some other stuff in there about how me and Fletcher were right about listening to podcasts at normal speed. <laughs> yep. And Rachel, that's why your email <laughs> made it to the air, because Kitty's like, I like her. She agrees with me. <laughs> I do. But I also thought that this was a very good answer to our auto player versus play two players yeah, and, debate. And I like, I, I agree. I, I think that depends. it depends. And and I, some of them are good, and some of it just feels like this was thrown in here so they could put a one to four on the box. Yeah, and Tiny Epic Quests, like I said, since I started playing games by myself against myself, I've been doing this more and more. A friend of mine uh, got me a, like a desk game, like an Othello game from India, and it has black and white pegs that you pull out and you can flip them over and stuff, and. My first day back at work that I wasn't supposed to be there. It was sitting on my desk. <laughs> and I started playing this as I'm waiting for my code to compile. I've started playing this game. So I'm now playing a game of Othello versus myself. And it's quite challenging. Like the white side is really, really like he, he thinks he's ahead. But the black side is like setting him up to just because he's taken all the corners. <laughs> and it's scary. My mind works in different ways, but they really have different personalities and they're playing the best that they can play when they're playing. And it's, it's, it's fun, but there's no auto player in Othello. All right, Fletcher, get me out of this. Okay. So in reference to our party games episode, who is this by, by the way? Oh, this is by, um, two games, two games. What am I thinking? Uh, thing 12 yes, games. Thing 12 games. Okay. So Who's in reference to the party name? games episode, while talking about code names, Chris, Chris commented, it's not particularly interactive party game, which I agree with. I found that <laughs> I found that incredibly weird stance, considering Chris also likes the mind, which has which is a no interaction party game. Okay, sure, one could make the claim that you need to watch people's faces and body gestures, but this is far more group interaction than code names in the mind. So I've actually never played the mind. So can you briefly describe what that? Yes, is? and I will also agree. Awful. Is it Sean? <clears throat> Okay. Yes. I will also disagree with Sean. The mind has way more interaction than Codenames does. But um, let's quickly go over both of them. And 
<laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with four four player code names versus four player the mind. Four player the mind, you have four people that are intensely focused on each other. Always like, yes, they're not talking, but the interaction is immense. Like you are, the mind is essentially, you have a, a hand of cards that are numbered from one to a hundred. You, know, you don't have a hundred cards. You have one card, two cards, three cards, depending on the round. And you have to play them in ascending order, but you can't communicate about the values of cards in your hand. So you basically just have to like read body language as to like, eh, I have a 60. I'm just going to sit back and, and wait to see what somebody else does. But if after a certain amount of time, oh, maybe that 60 is an okay card to play. So you have to play it to understand it. But once you do, you're like, wow, this actually is a really compelling and really interactive game. Code names for player code. Some people. To some people. After they. <laughs> <laughs> not The mind is not for everybody, but neither is code names. And code names is a mega hit, like far bigger hit than the mind will ever be. And But in code names, the thing I have against it is you have one person giving clues and the other person staring at the board in a four-player game. Once you get to six or more players where you actually have teams that are able to start talking and interacting, it is a much more interactive party game. I That I will agree with. But at four players, Codename is just a whole bunch of silence and you're not interacting with anyone else. You're just staring at the cards. The entire game is everyone staring at the cards, potentially for different reasons, but you are not interacting with each other. And I'm going to die saying that. Die on that sword. <laughs> Although he goes on, so keep going. Okay, so he says, uh, when we play code names, it's typically in a six plus group. So this negates what you're saying, Chris. Right. That's what, in this case, I will agree. That that way each team has at least two or more people to discuss what the hint giver may be trying to convey. And listening to them go down the right path or go down the wrong path when you when you want to scream out, no, what are you thinking? Um, in summary, Codenames is is a great party game, and the mind is the adult version of, let's see who can not talk the longest. <laughs> <laughs> we trick kids into playing. You saying that's yeah. trick kids into playing that. <laughs> let's see. I won't go into about how the game is incredibly fragile if you can if it can be broken by people simply counting. So, and actually that's a good point. The game can be broken by simply people count or simply counting. But guess what? So can every game if you don't play by the rules. Like the code names is a very simple game too if you just tell them it's that word, that word and that word. Like the rules of the mind say don't count. Simple enough. But Sean, I do like this input. Um, I am one of the few people that I know that actually actively dislikes code names. I just don't like that game, even though I like the concept. I think there are better games. Yeah, I mean, I like it's fine. I like the concept. It's fine, and I'll play it with a family. Like I'll play it with non-gamers, sure. But if I'm with a group of gamers, there's no way I'm pulling out code names. It's just, ugh, it's ugh. But the mind I'll pull out. But that one's fun. I don't know because you like to get a rise at people. Uh, do I? You also think it's fun because you're weird. You definitely like to get a rise out of people. That's why you bought uh, who did you, Sean? You bought Sean his own copy of the Mind. Well, he just hated it so much. Different Sean, but I'm gonna might have to get this. Yes, Sean, the uh, copy there's of the mind too, too many Seans too. <laughs> Seans and Eric's. My goodness. But yeah, and like I say, the Code Names with six or more players is a completely different game. Um, Code Names is also very, very cultural dependent. Uh, we were playing this, we brought code names to Sydney and I's engagement party. And we have a, a lot of mixed culture friends. 
And there were people who had just no concept of like what, how these clues could convey to these words. Um, George, one of our friends of the show for a really long time, cannot play code names. He cannot come up with a clue for a single word, much less trying to put more than two words together, just incapable of doing it. And like, so that's kind of interesting too. Like some people, it just doesn't work. That word association thing doesn't work. But. I actually had this problem with, um, I had a copy of Monikers showed up in my parents' basement. Nobody knows where it came from. We think it might have been my brother, but he says it wasn't him. Um, so I went through this game and a lot of the cards had inappropriate references, but I pulled those ones out thinking I could play this with my youth group kids. So they're all like 12 to 14 year olds. So I pulled out any of the ones that I thought would be inappropriate for the group, but I gave them the cards and they were like, all right, you give me 10 cards. I can't find five that I know the reference to. (laughs) It was all made for people like, you know, 25 to 40. The references are things that they did not get. There were a lot of like, um, Oh, now I can't think of any good ones. Oh, Michael J. Fox. What? I was yeah. like, you know, the guy from Back to the Future. They're like, oh, That's but they super like didn't know movie. his name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the kind of thing Team that I was Wolf. like, ah, exactly. These were the references they were not understanding. They threw out half the cards either because they were like too advanced, you know, like, oh, if I had been to college, of course I would get these. But, you know, if you are still in middle school, high school, you haven't, you know, reached the Schrodinger's cat is a funny reference <laughs> stage of life, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah, but so out, you really have to <laughs> pull out code names Marvel edition and they will be all over it. They'll destroy me instead of where I cleaned up at Monikers. But they had a lot of fun once we got to the charades round. <laughs> all right. Well, that is an episode. We're gonna put it. We're we're just gonna call this an episode now. <laughs> that is an episode. <laughs> the end. You can follow us on Facebook at slash tabletop game talk top podcast, Twitter at tabletop game tlk. Kitty is lawful good mom. Fletcher is net fletch. I am game master Chris. Um, iTunes reviews are cool, although nobody wants to give us one. That's fine. <laughs> we're not hurt by that at all. Follow us on Patreon. TabletopGameTalk.com slash Patreon. We need some friends, please. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Thanks for listening. And remember, we love your feedback. So email us with comments or questions about today's topic at feedback at TabletopGameTalk.com. Finally, a huge thank you to our patrons. Adam Harrison, the SGC, Jason Strong, Terrence Mittler, Stephen Seitz, Michael Ohl, Brian Arnold, Sean P. Kelly, C. Marie, Rudy Liu, Benjamin Hamowitz, Jerry Huang, Stephen Phillips, Caleb O'Brien. Jennifer Engelbrecht, Justin Willard, Christopher Dong, Jason Marks, Jeremy Fisher, David Radke, Nick Quickstra, David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanikowski, Miles Clark, Cindy Lum, Phil Schwartzel, Ann Reynolds, Eric Huffman, Adrian Dong, Christopher Vincent, Nate, Faz Flintham, John Peck, Eric C. Lander, Mike Smith, Trevor Davis, Wesley Trailer, Tim Vernig, Chris Lowe, Joe Hoover, Timothy Gross, Glenn Cotter, Jesse Wolkowiak, Barry Peterson, Don't Know Why I'm Doing This in Sing Song, Emily Jewel, J- Emil Jewel Jacobson, Marina Stevens, Brady Meltzner, Gregory, <laughs> Don Gilstrap, and Stephen Judd. Until next week, keep playing, keep playing games <laughs> and having fun. <laughs> That was an episode. <laughs> you would think we were um, recording later than our usual time, but no. I think we're all just exhausted.
Oh, boy. I didn't get to talk about how Keyforge is always different, and that's the only reason I like playing it over and over and over. I almost never play the same deck twice. Because you never play the same deck twice. <laughs> if you play the same deck over and over again, it's the same game. It is. Then it's the Vault Tour, but then I'm playing against different decks all the time, so that makes me happy, too. It's true. 